Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nora. So this week we have gotten some feedback mm-hmm. from a listener named Sean McGuire. Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. And he has asked us to talk a little bit more about financial. Well, actually, he didn't ask us, did he? He was he just we were having a conversation about financial literacy where we talked about how we had talked about it previously on the show and we all decided that maybe we needed to go a little bit more in depth in it because the provincial government in Ontario has promised to make financial literacy a mandatory part of the high school curriculum. So Sean thought we were being sarcastic, I think, uh, when we were (laughs) discussing making a a program about it. We were not, Sean. We were very serious. Mm -hmm. And here it is. We are we're bringing to you our our thoughts on the financial literacy curriculum. Sean is is I think has an opinion on this that I think many people share, which is also why one person's opinion is driving us to do an entire entire episode <laughs> because the financial <laughs> and, and like Sean's a cool guy, but you know, no offense Sean, but if you were like do something on garbage collection, I would say no. Um, I might say yes. I, I wouldn't. Garbage collection is, uh, anyway, it's a hot topic in Quebec City, but that's another story. So Sean represents, I think, the kind of person that the liberals are trying to capture mm-hmm. in uh, getting support for this policy. And so breaking down what this policy means and why, I don't want to say why we oppose it, but maybe that's what's going to come out of this discussion. I think that maybe we should start with a history of why Nora and I feel so very strongly about this. Again, as most of you who have listened to us before will probably know, Nora and I used to work in the same office trying to change post-secondary education policy. And around, I want to say 2012, it became like very on vogue within private financial corporations uh, to start investigating why people had so much debt why people, um, you know, weren't growing their personal finances in certain sectors of society. And instead of concluding with the most obvious answer, which is like, okay, maybe they just don't have money, like maybe poverty is an issue. I don't know. They concluded that the issue was financial literacy and the way to solve issues of of poverty and lack of access to wealth and blah, 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 whatever euphemistic ways they have of, of talking about poverty was to educate people on financial instruments or whatever the fuck. That bled into post-secondary education policy at this giant conference that the Higher Education Quality Council of Ontario, which is like some... Remember them? I forgot about that conference. That was the worst. (laughs) I got a mug, though. (laughs) You did get a mug. I still drink Um, out of it. So this is the Higher Education Quality Council of Ontario, which is um, an arm's length uh, (laughs) liberal front, which, you know, colloquially called HECO, had this conference where they invited all of these banks and private financial institutions to come and talk about this idea of of personal financial issue being an individual thing and to link that to students, student debt, recent graduates and why at people who drop out and why and how they couldn't go to school and so on. It was it was ridiculous. I think they made some sort of error and invited 
me to sit on a panel and talk about it and it was it was really awkward it was very 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 awkward I wasn't popular <laughs> my my comments were not popular no. amongst the bankers in the room but anyway it was just it was like this really strange um discussion and maybe it was because you know I'm I'm looking like 10 years down the line like they've definitely finessed their messaging a little bit and maybe that was part of the exercise but at that point it it just seemed uh, so bizarre you know we had some students who were in the room who were like uh it the problem isn't that i don't know how to get access to loans for example which is what some of the bankers were saying it's like we we think that you know these students need to be educated in in how to access uh lines of credit like what financial products are out there that will help them blah 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 whatever these students were like okay but that's not the issue i just don't want to be in debt and then it was like oh let's make sure that they're financially literate so that they don't have debt aversion yes because debt aversion is a problem amongst the poor and it was just it was just this bizarre you know mental gymnastics as to use a term that nora often uses (laughs) to try to to figure out like what is this problem with poor people access to education and paying back their debt like what is the problem and instead of uh it's because they're poor the, it was like mm, no it's got to be something else and and the basically the entire thing focused on financial literacy yeah or concluded that the issue was financial literacy yeah and that conference was the culmination of of this discussion happening for a couple of years earlier than that because I think that that conference was, yeah, it was either 2011, 2012. I think it was 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only think that because I believe we also went to Rebels at the same time. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you remember how we, we literally went from that conference to the airport to, I think, to, oh, to yeah, Winnipeg? Oh, that's right. <laughs> to go to a national maybe... feminist conference that ended in tears and racism. That's a, that's a story for another day. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, my God. I can't even laugh um, about and it. it... And at least I got a mug out of the HECO conference. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is all bringing me back. But but so before this conference happened, the, the, the discussions around financial literacy mostly centered around youth, uh, not necessarily high school youth, but, but young people who were starting into the workforce or starting into their lives. And they were racking up a lot of debt. And so we would sit in meetings and we would hear, you know, bureaucrats or politicians telling us that the real problem is that people just need to learn how to manage their debt. They need to learn how to access RESPs. They need to learn how to save. They need to learn how to budget. And they would tell us at the same time as then also telling us that, you know, the price of eggs go up, the price of milk goes up, the price of tuition fees goes up. And so, you know, suck it up. This is how it all works. And in, it's an amazing way that the, that the liberals manufacture fact. They manufacture reality because it's not the case that these things are givens. At the time when they were like, the price of bread goes up, <laughs> we didn't know that all of the bread manufacturers in Ontario were price fi- fixing, Mm-mm. right? The, <laughs> the, the, the price fixing increase, uh, yes, that did outpace inflation. It was because people were acting illegally because they were fucking us. Like, the... <laughs> Anyway, you know, okay, fine. Hindsight's twenty twenty. This this conversation came at the exact same time that Ontario started to witness a student debt crisis, and that student debt crisis was first put into action by Mike Harris, 
when Micaris deregulated um, some tuition fees like dentistry, law and medicine and laid the foundation for the McGinty liberals and, you know, the Wynn liberals to uh, layer on top bad tuition fee policy with more loans and more loans and some grants. And so part of the grant world became a program called Pathways. And Pathways <laughs> kind of gave me, and I think probably you to some extent as well, the vision that the liberals had, which was people are just ignorant and we need to teach them. We need to show them the value of a higher education. We need to show them how to spend their money properly. And we're going to pour $20 million into a program to help 20 kids. And, oh, they all succeeded. And it was like, poor people are not stupid people. Like, this is the fundamental understanding of the world that is underpinning this decision. And you're you're using it as a cover to look rational, progressive, and like you're doing the right thing. And then the financial literacy curriculum comes out of all of this, which is just we just need to teach people how to do their their books. And it's like, OK, I believe that there is something in the curriculum already. And it's called math and <laughs> math can be used to do many things, including budgeting. So one of the, the the goals that we have with this episode is to kind of pull back that that sheet and display the ugly face of liberal thinking in the province of Ontario and other places, too, because this is similar rhetoric that you'll hear, uh, not just in Ontario. There's a lot of folks who are like, oh, my God, but I don't understand finances. And it would have been so helpful to me growing up to understand finances. And I get that finances can be a difficult thing to understand because math can be a difficult thing to understand. But let's be clear that if we actually look at the curriculum and I just you know when I when I, we were having this discussion on my Facebook wall with Sean McGuire I just took a, a very quick look at the curriculum and there you know it, the high school curriculum in math from grades 9 to 12 has particular outcomes already in it up, uh, around understanding interests around understanding debt all sort around understanding, um, you know, even they've even got something in there about the chances uh, of making it in the lottery, I believe there's, you know, there's all sorts of things in the high school curriculum about financial literacy. And so what we need to ask ourselves then is what is missing that the liberals are seeking to gain? And if there isn't anything missing that the liberals are seeking to gain by creating a specific curriculum for financial literacy, then why are they doing this? It's because it sounds nice. And some of the issues that uh, Nora and I had dealt with um, in a previous episode, I, I just want to put like a finer point on. I just, you know, what does a financial literacy conversation or curriculum, a relevant financial literacy curriculum look like in a very wealthy area of Toronto versus a very poor area of Thunder Bay. What does it look like? What are we going to be teaching um, students about finances that is going to be relevant across the board that is currently not in the curriculum? Some of the things that we were hearing at these uh, conferences when we were, you know, when this was in the early stages of being designed that Nora and I re referenced earlier were teaching students how to apply for debt, teaching students not to be afraid of debt, and so on. And is that going to be a relevant conversation 
for students from the tip of Windsor to, uh, you know, the, the northernmost region of Ontario? Uh, I don't think so. And so what what is the idea of who needs financial literacy? They're, they're focusing on poor folks and folks who don't have money. And the idea is that wealthy people don't do not need financial literacy or are, pop, or, are somehow financially literate already. And I think that that's a really odd way to look at finances as someone who grew up really poor. I think the most financially literate people are people who know how to survive with poverty wages. Yeah. <laughs> those, are the, those are the people who are the most financially literate in our society. I, I don't know who we think we're going to be benefiting uh, by putting forward a curriculum that has what in it that's not already there. Like, nobody can explain this to me. It's so strange. Well, the, the one of the, the realities of, you know, being poor in this society is that it's very expensive to be poor. Oh, yes. You can't make money if you don't have money in terms of investments or, or all of the instruments that they want us to invest in. Right. So. First of all, like we know, statistically speaking, that any program that gives you tax credits is skews towards people that have have income, have higher income. And so like, are you going to teach people about RESPs? Are you going to teach people about RRSPs? Are you going to teach people that they'll never have a good pension because the entire uh, welfare state has fallen through and that even Canada pension plan might be gone by the time, you know, kids in high school are 65? Like this is this is highly political. And I think that the idea that you could have have financial literacy discussion outside of a discussion of of the politics of it that is the that is the most outrageous part of this to, for me because uh, as you say who who learns how to use osap Mm-mm. it's not kids that are well off <laughs> no certainly not kids in Mm-mm. private schools right? <laughs> like in ontario private schools okay fine so your only access to higher education is by getting this loan. And your only way to get this loan, uh, to get grants, is through getting the loan. And don't worry, you'll be able to manage this loan if you learn how to manage your money properly. It's like, this is this is, this is such bullshit. And are you going to teach us the connection between investing your money and the like war industry or the tar sands? Or are you going to teach us about investing your money in a mutual fund and how that fuels the housing crisis in Toronto? Because when you invest in a, in a mutual fund that is not a war industry or is not uh, destroying the planet, then they're like, oh, real estate's probably a pretty good bet then. Like what happens when you get 5% interest or 10% interest or <laughs> what happens when you invest in Bitcoin and you lose all your money or, <laughs> you know, what? I, it's just, it's so ridiculous because if you can't make your balance sheet, your personal balance sheet balance at the end of the month, that's a problem of math. That's a problem yeah. of adding and subtracting, or that is as Gail Vaz Oxlade shows us in Till Debt Do Us Part, probably something else is going on right that lady does psychology (laughs) she doesn't like her jars of money is math but her financial advice is psychology and so why why do we really want to entrench in young people's minds that the financial system the way it works is that it's good and that they can make it work for them and that the only people who are poor are people who are ignorant that is that underpins this entire plan. And the problem is that people who are well off enough, like they're not really struggling to get by, 
will see this announcement and say, oh, that's that's good. We need people to be able to budget better because I have a friend and he's terrible with money and this guy uh, should have gone to grade nine better. <laughs> like, <laughs> Should have gone to grade nine better. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that, uh, you know, what, what you're touching on there also is a little bit of, you know, this the, the way that this balance sheet works, like if you don't have the money to make your balance sheet work out in terms of even feeding yourself, yes, you might engage in some really risky and expensive activities or strategies in, in order to try to make ends meet. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't understand that that doesn't make sense. And what I'm referring to right. here is, you know, in, in the course of this conversation that we were having with people on my Facebook wall, someone mentioned that people need to understand that it's not good to take predatory payday loans. I think that anyone who's taking predatory payday loans knows that it's a bad thing, like that they don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. But those are like last options for people when a bank is looking at them and say, saying that, you know, the entire financial system is set up so that if you're already poor and you're not able to pay credit card bills on time or you haven't even been able to build your credit, you can't get access to a loan if you find yourself in a, in a shitty situation even for a couple of months. And that could lead you to taking some some risky strategies in order to be able to feed yourself or to feed your kids or so on. That's something that people should really think about. This isn't an, a, an issue of necessarily people just being, you know, oh man, there's I got some access to some quick money. It's an issue of poverty. The other thing that I want to talk about is like the curriculum in and of itself. It sounds like what they're actually doing is making an update to the careers class that already exists right. in Ontario. This is a half year course where they're going to not only teach financial literacy because they've also said that they're going to be teaching entrepreneurship as part of the, the new mm. curriculum. Mm. And they're also going to be teaching uh, digital literacy. Why not? <laughs> Nora, can you tell me about your experiences in the careers program? Oh, no, you didn't have to nope. take it, did you? you I were, did not have to. You were the last group of the new yeah. program, right? I, I can tell of you. the old program. Of the old program. I can tell you that in grade eight, we had a weird unit, I guess, where everyone in my class was given a career and a salary, and we had to operate as a society together. Mm -hmm. um, hilariously, the, <laughs> I, I barely hit that income, and it's like, this give me the most money I ever make. <laughs> and it went down to, I think someone in my class like was literally, you are in poverty and you make $5,000 a year. Oh my God. <laughs> So I was at the first year of the of the like, quote unquote, new curriculum that that persists until this day, where they got rid of grade 13 and implemented some mandatory stuff, including uh, career studies, civic studies, and a standardized test about literacy. Taking career studies was sounds very similar to what you did in that weird grade eight class. We we did do some sort of unit where we were all 
given random amounts of money that we would be making each year and we had to do some sort of exercise where we figured out what our power would be in society or how we would live in society. It sounds like a very similar um, thing. I I ended up making six figures in that, so I felt pretty good about myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In that that exercise. But it was... It by and large, it was a joke. And I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was a joke from the perspective of the students in the class being like, why are we being made to take this? And it was also a joke from the perspective of the teachers who were required to teach this new curriculum, who from the very beginning, I recall my teachers making fun of it. People in, definitely in my grade across my school in Brampton, I went to Heart Lake, but also uh, friends of mine that I had that were going to school in Toronto and in other cities also thought it was a joke, like that nobody was taking this thing seriously. But it was a good news story in the news for the liberals. Yeah. (laughs) When they announced we're going to be teaching civics and careers. Mm -hmm. If you look at the curriculum right now, what it says is the grade 10 career studies course is like what it's meant to do is personal management exploration of opportunities, preparation for transitions and change. Ooh. Uh-huh. And essential skills for working and learning, personal management, and so on. What that actually ended up looking like for folks who, I don't know if this is remains the same, but uh, what it actually ended up looking like for someone who took the class was to tell us how streaming worked. Mm. In grade 10 is when you have to make some decisions about whether you're going to go to university, uh, go straight to work after after high school. And in the in the careers class, they would tell you, OK, so now in grade 11 and 10, you're going to take courses that are either geared to college, to university, to the workplace. And they would they would it was like the only useful thing about the course was it's like, OK, so if you want a career path of uh, going to be, I don't know, a doctor, then you have to, to, to be streamed in this way. And it's like, did you, did you need a whole four month course for that? No, we all kind of already knew what streaming was and how it worked. Um, when you're picking your courses for grade 11 and 12, the streaming becomes a little bit more complicated. And so they did teach it. Yeah. And rigid. So they taught us those things in careers. And so Mm -hmm. now they're putting a whole bunch more into this this course that, you know, I, I put on my Facebook recently, like, is this course still going on? What are people's thoughts about it? And it seems like it remains useless <laughs> from the <laughs> feedback that I got back from people who were talking about their experiences taking this careers course. It seems like it remains useless. They're mm-hmm. putting more into it. And I just don't understand, again, what is missing from the curriculum that is going to be put in this career studies course. I might be wrong. Like maybe they're not putting it into careers, but it sounds like from all of the reports that have come out that it is going to be in addition to the already existing four months where you talk about careers and your future. Well, now we're going to teach people how to, I don't know, become entrepreneurs. It just seems like a strange, a strange thing to add. 
Well, and I'd love to know what's in it in the in the content of it, right? Like, are you talking about are you talking about CPP and EI and how the state works and how the state funds the social safety net? Are you talking about how if you're a freelancer, you you have to cover the employer's contribution of uh, payroll taxes? Are you talking about how to do your taxes or uh, that you know you just go to ufile.ca and it's super easy, right? Like, there's a lot in there. And um, to my earlier point, I don't see how you depoliticize it. In fact, it is highly political. And this is what my biggest frustration is with people who support this idea, is that the idea of of neutral financial literacy does not exist. No. Talking about careers when you're 15, you're 15 years old. You might not know what you're going to be, but you know who's not going to be anything by 15, right? Like you learn the the hard the hard skills that you might need in your future career. Maybe if you've taken a path like auto woodworking or whatever, um, which was remains my favorite actually <laughs> high school classes, um, uh, or uh, or if you did decide in grade nine to go into the academic because you're going to go to university because everyone in your family went to university. The social engineering that exists within the school system is 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 there it doesn't start in grade 10 you don't learn about in grade 10 it's it's indoctrinated in you from the start and so you know if financial literacy by the time you're 15 is going to teach you how to avoid credit cards i fucking doubt it because credit cards are going to be on your campus when you go to college and they're going to say hey get this credit card and you're going to be like i have no money so i would love to get a credit card right like behind all of of this discussion is a couple of things that have changed very rapidly in the society and ontario tuition fees have more than doubled mm-hmm. student debt mm-hmm. held federally is what 29 billion dollars right and household debt is record high as well at 100 170% of household income and so like these are, are 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 bubbles that are going to burst, and no amount of teaching someone how to do a balance sheet is going to fix that because these are systemic problems. When I walked into the bank when my kids were like five months old or something, and they looked at me and said, "Oh, you don't have any RESPs. You should start an RESP for your kids." And I was like, "So these kids are going to start daycare in a couple of months, and daycare is going to cost us ninety dollars a day. Do you have an RESP for daycare?" (laughs) And and she just looked at me. She's like, "Uh, "What? I don't. I don't get it." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not fucking saving for their education in twenty years. No, like, I I gotta pay for daycare, Mm -hmm. which is going to cost." more than their education in 20 years. So, you know, these these are systems that that they want society to buy into. They want us to be confused by finances because at the end of the day, finances are actually not very confusing. Um if you kind of just take if you take them seriously and you know your math and you're doing, you know, you're staying on top of them. Where it gets very complicated is if you're told to invest and you're told to invest here and you're told to put all of your money with the Royal Bank because they'll save you $4 of service charges every month and you have to have $10,000 in your bank account or else you can't take money out. You know, like that, that's where the problem is, is that, you know, we've got a banking system that's making $36 billion a year. Mm -hmm. We have bank CEOs that make $11 million a year. Mm -hmm. We have curriculum that doesn't even talk about workplace health and safety, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the careers class, where is there uh, your, your teaching your, your right to refuse uh, unsafe work and and how do you assert that? You know, like these, there's so much missing in the curriculum and for people to get excited and to say that this is a good addition, it's like one, we've just explained why it's not a good addition. Number two, there's limited time in the curriculum. There's so many other things that could be in the curriculum. All this is doing is maintaining the current financial status quo that is so crushing, that is just destroying people. You will not financially literate someone into owning a house in Toronto. 
No. No, it's like so obvious that that won't happen. And it's not like, you know, the assumption behind so many of these products and instruments like RESP is that, you know, Nora, if you were a good mother, like if you were a responsible mother, you would make sure that your your kids had their education paid for and just put some money into an RESP. And so what we're doing here is we're going to make sure that Nora is a literate member of our society with respect to finances and make sure that Nora gets this product and ensures a future for her kids. But the thing is that Nora needs to have the money to put into the RESP in the first place. And no amount of telling her that an RESP exists is going to get Nora that money. You need to have money to get a fucking mortgage. You need to get have money to be able to get tax credits. It's like you can't solve poverty problems through instruments that are based off of having wealth. You can't do it. And having people in poverty, like people being impoverished is is just as much of the system as people being ultra wealthy. And in fact, the the system works because people are in poverty. The system works in the way that it does because it exploits certain people who make much, much less and are beholden to debt. And so I agree with you. Like, let's look at the curriculum. What is actually missing? How about history? Do you know that you only have to take history once in high school? Could we maybe think about, you know, I don't know, talking about indigeneity a little bit? Can we talk about some black history? Can we can we just talk about how history is so missing from the curriculum? Like, there's there's so much that is absented from the curriculum that it just makes me so it it's just so bizarre um it's not bizarre but it, i just i just hate to see people get duped by what i think you know to me it looks very obviously like a good news announcement and by that i mean something uh that sounds good to everybody is a is a check mark for the liberals on something that they've done previously that they can point to when an election comes around that really isn't going to change much for the students who are in high school right now in terms of their curriculum and it isn't going to change much by the way of how our society works i would love you know it would have been really interesting to read everything about what people thought civics and careers, those two mandatory courses that were introduced for grade 10 back in the year 2000, what what the news media was saying at the time, how that was going to change our society. If I'm recalling correctly, I think that one of the things that people were say, saying was that civics in particular was going to teach people how to get involved in the political process and it was going to make sure that youth became more engaged it was going to increase youth voter turnout, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm going to hazard a guess that that hasn't fucking happened. <laughs> you know why? <laughs> because it was a bullshit course. It was like a good news story for the Liberal Party. And OK, I'm not like I don't have the research in front of me, but I know perennially that youth voter turnout is a problem, that youth voter turnout isn't high. And I'm willing to bet that the civics program had had no impact on that. If you disagree, let me know. Like, just, you know, drop <laughs> us a line. I'd be happy to actually do some research just to prove myself right. But I'm telling you right now that the program <laughs> didn't teach us much of anything. No. 
No, I like as you say, this is all these are all feel good announcements, and it, and it makes and it sounds fine. Like the the stakes are too high with people's um with people's financial health right now to uh, imagine that something like this is going to be the fix. And the liberals are the architect of the financial crisis that people are experiencing in terms of public services, right? Obviously, they can't be blamed on, uh, you know, all of capitalism. But certainly, the, 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 the fact that they're responding to people being frustrated that higher education costs so much, that daycare costs so much, that um, whatever, that the public services are, are, are costing more and more and more, uh, this is you can't educate people into into figuring out how to f- take the system down. Well, you can. That's <laughs> yeah. the liberals are not going to be the ones to educate students into how to take the system no. down. That is for no, sure. No. And so it's like if if the liberals were really concerned about this stuff and they really wanted to to make sure that, you know, folks who find themselves in poverty, folks who find themselves um, in difficult situations with predatory lenders and so on, if they really wanted to deal with this stuff, they could have an anti-poverty strategy. They could have a freaking uh, strategy around housing, access to housing. You know, one of the, I remember quite, <laughs> I thought one of the hilarious moments of that conference that we keep referencing that we went to, that, you know, all these financial folks were shocked at one point when the the pathways to education folks who, who were funded by this, you know, who were, who were given the funding by the government to uh, start working on this financial literacy stuff. One of the things that they did was provide free tokens to some of these poor students who they were piloting this program with so that they could get to school. And they were like, it was amazing. You know, their their attendance shot up. It, it was just <laughs> wild. And it's like, in my head, I'm yeah, like, duh. <laughs> like, you know, obviously, like some of the problem has to do with access to transportation like if yes if you give free free transportation to a student will they come to school i don't know maybe probably like yes it would probably help their attendance so yeah if the you know here's there's a thought like you know make transportation free and maybe it'll help with some of the financial struggles that people have like there's so many ways that people can if they want to tackle financial struggles that they can tackle financial struggles and i guarantee you this uh, less than $150,000 announcement from the liberal government is not going to do it. It's just not going to do it. It's not. No. And they deserve, they deserve zero kudos for this. Zero. Not a one. Mm -mm. I mean, what, what I think the the thing, the costs, I think $142,000, I feel like that's like maybe one staff person and an assistant. (laughs) Like, I think, I think that's exactly what this was. It's all. Reward some ex-liberal uh, friend. <sighs> we'll have to do a follow-up when they announce who this kind of spearheaded, and it's like a former MP, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 